Sunday Show Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Carmen. We don't have the co-host, so no hey hey from Aaron Brown. He's on a vacation. But we do got the commish. What you say, Commish? I was gonna I was gonna go with the uh the Brown Town hey hey to start it, but you uh stole a little bit of my thunder there. But uh <laughs> yeah, what's uh what's going on, buddy? Just you and me holding it down tonight. Yeah, yeah, we got some uh we're gonna stick to the same format, you know, stud sleeper bust and stash, right? Or stash and bust. Um but we went from AFC beast to the NFC least. <laughs> as 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 a Giants man, I I can call him that. So so I will. Uh that's the uh division topic we're going with uh today. So NFC least, and there's for good reason I, I call them that because I realistically only think there's one competitive team out of that division. And and it pains me to say it's the, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it had to be tough to say that. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. I, I get I get sick thinking about it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's it's an odd division, really, when when we attacked it. Because historically speaking, there's been a lot of really fantasy relevant guys at the top. But it seems like in recent years, those guys have kind of slipped off. And and we kind of have the picture that we, we've had the last few years where it's just really murky. You're not really sure who's going to emerge from year to year. But I think I think you're right when you call it the NFC least. In terms of uh, the division, I think it's really at a low point and where to where it's been the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was interesting trying to figure out uh, the stud category the sleeper category and uh, you know, all that given there are some fantasy viable guys. So I don't want to completely crap on the division, but um, it is as a giants fan, not exactly is, is not exactly a, an electrifying division loaded with a, a whole boatload of talent. So I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, Kamish, if you want to kick it off with your, your stud, your stud pick. Who, who you go? Who you rolling with? Yeah, let's start with the positives here, and, and I'm going to go to the uh, to your least favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, to start us off here with Ceedee Lamb at the top. He's currently ranked uh, Fantasy Pros eight overall in one QB expert consensus rankings. Uh, he's a first round ADP, and he's never uh, receiver three uh, in total. So, you know, he's he was drafted a couple of years ago to be eventually be the alpha receiver in Dallas, entering his third year in the league it looks like that opportunity has finally arrived for him. You know, you have Amari Cooper being traded to Cleveland, Michael Gallup's coming off an ACL and he's looking like he's not going to be a hundred percent right away. Uh, they lose Cedric Wilson to the Miami Dolphins in free agency and Dalton Schultz is currently locked into a, a contract dispute with Dallas. Well, he's looking for some long-term security coming off a good season of his own. So you factor all that in and, and Lamb really does look like an absolute target hog here in the Dallas offense coming into the season. And he's gotten off to a strong start in his career, even playing in a crowded room down there in Dallas. You know, he finished WR22 as a rookie, which is really impressive because in that season, Dak only played five games before he suffered that that really crazy, gruesome ankle injury against your New York Giants. And uh, in year in year his first full year with Dak last season, he finished WR15. And so he's he's taken he's taken steps in each of his first couple seasons. And I think with Dak having, uh, you know, he's going to be full two, two full seasons removed from that really tough looking ankle injury. 
I, I just think that the stars really are aligning for C.D. Lamb. I think he's one of those guys where he's got a ton of talent. He has all the opportunity in the world, and he's on a good offense. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. I think Lamb's a pretty well-known name on the dynasty dynasty radar. I really do think that, that everything is kind of kind of falling into place for him to compete for the number one overall wide receiver spot in fantasy football this season. Yeah. Um, I, I like CD lamb. I, I think, I think he's, he's definitely got the talent. I, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say, uh, does he break the top 10 at wide receiver? I just think there's so much depth at that position. However, um, to piggyback it, the, the one thing that helps him out is um the nfc east is kind of decrepit uh in the secondary so um getting to play i mean the giants were the better team in the nfc east with secondary but they you know released their all pro cornerback so (laughs) um because that makes a whole lot of sense um so I, I think that CD Lamb has the opportunity to put up some big numbers and some big games, especially in division games. So I'm I actually kind of aligned with you. I, I'm not sure he'll make a, a top 10 wideout, given the fact that it's just it's such a loaded position, in my opinion. Um, but I could definitely see him hedging in that, you know, top 15, top 18, somewhere around there. See, I think I, I'm going to take it a step further here and double down on what I just said. I think like the WR 10 to 12 range is actually his floor this season, assuming he plays a full season. I think he's just that good of a talent. And I just think that with all the other pieces around him, at least having question marks ar- around him, I think that this really, it really is all coming together for him to absolutely blow up this year. And he's going to, I think he's going to finish in the top five of his position. And I think he might, if, if everything really goes well for him, I can see him finishing number one overall at wide receiver. That's obviously a really bold take, but I, I, I'm very high on this player, and I think this is the year he, he takes that big jump into the top, top tier of the dynasty receivers on the landscape this season. Wow. You are drinking the Kool-Aid. You are, oh, man. That's, Give me those lamb chops, baby. Serve them up. That's, that, that, that's a bold take because when you got guys like Jamar Chase out there, <laughs> that's uh, Je- uh, Justin Jefferson – Oof, I, hey, I, you know what? You could be the first one to say, I told you so. I think he ends up outside of the top 10. But uh, the, the best thing about this is we can always revisit, you know, in the midway point and see, see how we're looking. I like it. So I'll, I'll get into my stud pick here. And before everyone calls this a homer pick, you know, Aaron, if Aaron was here, he'd be, he'd be honking the, the homer horn. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Uh, and here's a couple of reasons why. The new head coach has said he's committed to using Barkley in every way he possibly can. He's looked very good uh, in the camp so far. And they've, they've been lining him up in the slot on several different looks. They, they plan on feeding him the ball multiple different ways, which was, which was kind of frustrating me last year was because if you know you have a deficit at your offensive line, just lining up and trying to run north to south isn't going to work. you got to get creative, and he's a supreme, supreme athlete. So I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley because I think 
he could touch this 50 to 60 to 70 receptions mark. I think he's going to have a lot of catches. He's going to have a lot of those plays out in open space where he's a big mismatch for pretty much anyone um, when he's healthy. And I think he, I think he has a monster bounce back here. So I'm putting Saquon in as, as my stud. I like where you're coming from. I think he's got the profile and he does have uh, the resume as well to, to be a high, a high, highly important fantasy piece to a contending roster this year. You know, Saquon, if you, if you rewind just a couple seasons, you know, this guy was the RB1 overall in Dynasty, you know, RB2 overall at worst, if you wanted to throw Todd Gurley into that mix. You know, he, you know he's a guy whose, whose career really has only been derailed by injury. And it's been a tough couple seasons if, you, if you've been a Barkley manager in Dynasty, for sure, or, you know, or in redraft, really with any format, if, if you've had to invest in him highly. I, I really do like the player. I think that we are in the spot in the NFL calendar that I like to call lying season, where every running back in the league is a slot receiver. And, you know, every wide receiver is going to be taking a bunch of handoffs, you know, or jet sweeps or, or things of that nature. So I, a little, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy all of this. He's going to get a ton of like you know, reps at slot receiver. I think there's plenty of work from him for him on the ground, as well as through the check, through the air via checkdowns, you know, they haven't really done a ton to address the position behind him, which is really a big indicator of they feel good about him going into the season. And it could be a situation where with the new regime taking over, where they want to see what they have in Barkley and maybe that they look to move on from him uh, after the season. So that might not be great for Barkley's long-term outlook, but it does mean that they could give him a ton of volume this year, which is what we want in fantasy. So I like the call out for sure on Barkley. Looking around the rest of the division, I don't know if there's another obvious candidate. So I think he definitely fits the bill here for, for a stud for the in the NFC East, even if it is a homer pick on your end. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess I'll jump into my, my, my sleeper pick here. And uh, this one was kind of uh, when I started digging into this one commission, I had to like do a second take on where he actually ended up uh, last year. And uh, my sleeper pick, it, statistically, you really wouldn't consider him a sleeper. So I guess I'm pulling Aaron Brown here. But, I mean, uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. And the reason why is because I just don't think anyone respects him in the fantasy community. And um, he finished ninth, QB9 last year in, uh, in your standard format. So – Here's why I went with sleeper. I think you can still get him, and I'm I'm by no means do I research ADP. I've told you that a million times, but I'm guessing you can still get him in a relatively good spot, just based off of the buzz or lack thereof of what I hear for Jalen Hurts, and they've added some weapons around him, and what you hear from the coaching staff in the off season is they've worked with him on accuracy and footwork, and he's he's improving day by day. This is a guy who was ninth last year. So I think teams will sell out to stop the run because Philly was the number one rushing team in the league last year. If not number two, it was either them or Baltimore. I'd have to relook up the stats, but I actually like Jalen Hurts here as a sleeper call out only because I just don't think he gets to love. Yeah, I hear you. No, actually, I have that, that research here for you. I, I think I've, I think I can say with confidence I'm more the research guy of, of this group here. And so naturally I have the stats here for you. Now he's, he's going uh, as QB 11 in fantasy pros dynasty ECR. 
And, you know, he's player number 91 overall at, at the moment. So you are right. Uh, he's ranked a little bit below his position finish from a season ago. And I think just based on his, the, the manner in which he plays, you know, he runs around a lot. And even if some of that does go away, if he's more, you know, effective throwing the football, then I think there is some more meat on the bone for him. So I think he definitely fits into the sleeper category. And I think that with, with his, with his blend of skill set and the, and the weapons he brought in, I can definitely see him up before the ADP. So I, I like that call out. Um, I'll have more thoughts on, on that offense in a little bit, but I'll jump over to my sleeper here. And that's, I'm actually sticking with the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys offense. And I'm, I'm going with the other receiver in, in Dallas, the number two receiver this season. That's Michael Gallup. And his fantasy pros UCR is uh, 106 overall, which is eighth round average draft position. And he's currently WR45 off the board. And everything I said for Lamb in terms of an opportunity, a lot of that is the case for Gallup as well. You know, Dallas in, is in the top three in the league in vacated targets from a season ago. You know, as I mentioned, a lot of those guys have moved on to different spots, mainly Amari Cooper. And there's plenty of meat on the, on the, on the bone in Dallas for, for that offense to support both CD Lamb and for Michael Gallup to produce when he's back on the field. Now, in two of the last three seasons, Dallas has produced two top 28 wide receivers. The one exception was in 2020 when Dak missed 11 games and they were kind of piecing it together for the remainder of that season. And what's great about Gallup is the price. You know, he certainly um, is still available at, at a really good cost. I mean, yeah, he's hurt right now, but if in the middle of the rounds, he's as good as, as good a bet as any to produce his ADP as soon as he's back on the field. And he also just signed a, a five-year extension in Dallas. Uh, you know, we, as we know with NFL contracts, that could be a little misleading in terms of the gears and the dollars associated with them. But it's at least, he'll be there for at least the next two, and if I had to guess, three seasons, which will tie him to Dak Prescott for for his prime. So we saw multiple receivers produce here in Dallas, and he is walking into a really big opportunity with a lot of unquestioned pieces in the rest, wide receiver room outside of CD Lamb. So, I mean, I, you probably really hate the start of this, uh, this of tonight's recording, given how many, how many good things I've said about Dallas Cowboys thus far. But, you know, that's how I see this Dallas offense unfolding uh, so far. What do you think? So, yeah, I hate all the Dallas Cowboy talk, but I know of a, a couple of uh, faithful listeners every week uh, are diehard Cowboys fans. So I'm sure they... Uh, liking, uh, I'm sure they're liking what you're bringing to the table, Commission. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get some Twitter love out of this one for sure. <laughs> I actually, I actually like, I like the Gallup call out a lot. I mean, as you know, you're in a league with me. I mean, I just made a deal to get Gallup, so uh, it was a hell of a deal, great deal on my end. Um, but I, I like Gallup a lot. I think when he played, you know, there was that part, you know, when when you watched him and you're like. Geez, this guy's like when healthy was like competing with Amari Cooper. Like he he looks all the he's got all the trappings of being a, a wide receiver one. So he just happens to be playing in a you know dynamic offense where at the rate that you're getting him at, like we just said hundred, somewhere in that range, right? I mean, geez, that's a I think that's a real good value. And I think he could probably put up numbers better than some wide receiver ones on other teams. So I actually like the Gallup call out. I, I like Gallup a lot. I got him on my team as a, a nice little stash piece waiting to see how it shakes out with the injury. But if I, let's put it this way. If I, if I wasn't so loaded with my starting lineup, he'd be in there every week, you know, if he was healthy. So I like that call out a lot. 
Yeah, and that's what we want. You know, we want cheap exposure to high-scoring offenses in the middle round. So that, that's what we hammer hammer that point home a lot on this on this podcast. And I think he definitely fits the bill. I'll uh, I'll jump into the, to the uh, the depth section here before we before we move over to busts. And I'm I'm going to move away from Dallas. I'll, I'll finally get away from the Cowboys here, and I'll go to their to their one of their big rivals, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles and Miles Sanders. You know, he's currently going at number 47 in ECR, which is seventh round ADP. And he's currently RB 27 off the board. Um, you mentioned that Philadelphia, uh, they like to run the ball a lot last season. And that was absolutely the case. They led the league in rushing touchdowns a season ago with 25. And somehow, uh, Miles Sanders didn't find the end zone at all last season, which really killed him from a fantasy standpoint. And, and cer- certainly has a lot of a bit left, left a bad taste in many fantasy managers' mouths over the last season or two for Sanders, you know, in addition to injury and not finding the end zone. Now, this guy really did hurt teams last season. But the, the good thing about last season for, for Sanders, if you're able to look past the not finding the end zone, is that among running backs with at least 130 carries, Sanders actually had 5.5 yards per, per carry. And that was tied for second in the league. So he's a really efficient runner. And the team didn't really do a ton to, to add to their backfields. You know, they had, their only real addition was Kennedy Brooks as an undrafted free agent. So... I think it's pretty – it goes without saying that given his pedigree, he's the most complete running back on the team in terms of a runner and a receiver. And he's still just 25 years old. You know, he's entering his prime here, and he's in the final year of his contract. So he's either going to have a really good season here, and they'll probably look to extend him, or he'll move on and he'll have a role somewhere else in the league for a few seasons, regardless of where he lands. So another thing that we like here is the price. You know, it's seventh-round ADP. He can easily slot in as your third or fourth running back, depending how heavily you want to hit that position. And even if you want to go another direction earlier in your draft, if you like to load up on wide receivers or a tight end, positions like that, you know, this is a guy that you can slot in there as your second running back, potentially. There's a little bit of risk associated with him there, but if you have a good roster, I think this is a guy that you definitely want to target as a depth piece. And I think the the value is sunk enough where he's become a really good, a really good buy here. So he can, could maybe you could even put into the sleeper category if we wanted to go that route. But this is a guy who does carry some name value that I'm really high on heading into this season. And I think if you're a contender, the time for you to try to try to pounce on a guy like this is right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't like Miles Sanders. Uh, I like the value, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think, yep. If your team's strong enough and you can get him for a cheap enough value to put him, you know, put him on the bench and see how it shakes out. Um, I'm all for it. I don't like the fact that Jalen Hurts will steal touchdowns from him. I don't like the fact that Boston Scott will probably steal touchdowns from him. Um, they seem to like to go to, you know, those guys inside the red zone. The other thing too, is I'm not convinced he's going to stay healthy. So if you can get him for the right price, do it by all means. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't over overpay to get him though. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. He's what what we like the most about him is the cost. You know, if you can get him in the seventh or eighth round of your draft, I think a lot of that risk is is baked into his cost there. So, definitely hear what you're saying. He's burned people in the past, and that's kind of resulting him in him dropping. You know, this is really only a guy I'd be interested in if I had designs on competing this season. All right, all right. So I'll get into my stash now. My stash is like we're going deep. <laughs> we're going deep dynasty. Uh, quarterback premium <laughs> uh i mean uh you know two quarter two qb format yep, we're gonna go yep. yeah we're going uh 
We're going the Washington Commanders rookie out of Carolina, my man Howell. And I think he's like the perfect guy to stash because you can get him ridiculously cheap. And he has a legitimate chance to be their starting quarterback next year. So coming into this year out of college, before this year, he was the consensus number one quarterback. In, in, in college, or at least a lot of the experts had him that high. So I think I'm going to go with my man Howell. I think he's a good guy to throw on the bench and just wait for Heineke and Wentz to, you know, flame out. And then who knows, this guy's your starting quarterback uh, of the future over there. So that's, I think he's a super deep stash play. And so that's why I went with him. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from, and it's definitely more of a of a two QB or a super flex format type of discussion. This guy, like you said, he let, let's talk. He doesn't let's talk about his competition. It's really only Carson Wentz, and if this guy isn't at the end of the plank already, I don't know what he's ever going to be. Because that season in I believe it was 2017, where he looked like he was going to run away with the MVP, that feels like forever ago. And that like that Carson Wentz, that guy's not coming back. So, you know, he was a guy who he was set up to succeed last season. You know, he was traded over to the Colts. He was reunited with Frank Wright, where he, Frank Wright, where he had all that success with earlier in his career. And they gave up on him after one year. And, you know, they missed the playoffs despite having a really good roster. And at the end of that season, Jonathan Taylor was carrying teams, you know, into the you know top seeds in their, in their fantasy leagues because they didn't trust Carson Wentz to do anything. Like they were, it was like a, well, yeah, we'll, we'll pass the ball if it's third and eight or more, but that's about it. Like it was, it was crazy that they, they wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him do anything. So he's moving over to to the Commanders. They're you know he's back in the NFC East. I just you know you got to figure that if this guy doesn't show it right away, that Washington's probably got to be looking looking to go in a different direction. You know they took a shot on on Howell, and you know they've been looking for that franchise QB, and I think we're pretty we're pretty sure that Wentz isn't going to be that guy. And if he proves us right early in the season, I think Hal could get a shot sooner rather than later. And if you remember from our rookie discussion, you know, this guy played a ton as a, as a, uh, you know, as a freshman, he played, he was playing starting college games when he was 17 years old. So the guy, he's not rattled by anything. He played well when he was surrounded by NFL talent at North Carolina. And I see no reason why you can't come in and at least be a competent NFL quarterback at some point. So I think if you have some room on your bench in these formats, if you want to spend a late third round pick on them in your rookie drafts, if you haven't had them yet, or if you have the space to, to stash a guy as a free agent pickup, I think he's definitely worth targeting. So I like to call it as a deep, deep bench stash, depending on the format that you're playing in. Yeah, that's where my head was at, whether it's, you know, more of a 2QB, you know, stash him, see how it shakes out. You know, rookie draft, late end third round, I think it's definitely worth it. Because I think of all the quarterbacks, I mean, coming out of college this year, him, I mean, him and Corral probably have the best chances. I mean, situationally, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree that they probably have the best chances to to possibly get starting sooner rather than later? I would say it's probably pick it first, just based on the fact that oh, he's yeah. competing with someone like Mitch, and that's a stable organization with uh, yeah. pass catchers. But outside of that guy, I think they're. I think. Those guys are definitely in the conversation in that next year for getting a shot sooner rather than later. All right. So I'll stick with the commanders and I'm going to go right into my bust. Now 
I know that I know a lot of people who own this guy, and I'm I'm not. I actually had him his rookie year, and I I traded him away, and he turned out to be a stud. But I'm gonna go with uh, Antonio Gibson, and there's a couple reasons why. One, he's already hurt. <laughs> Two, and this one is the, my biggest reason is Coach Ron Rivera has openly said that for the 22 season, they are going to go with a committee approach at running back. And he said it on more than one occasion because he doesn't, he wants his running backs to stay healthy as a fantasy owner. That is a swear word. When you hear the word committee, that hundred percent, that is a word you do not want to hear. The real so I'm going with, I'm going with Gibson as my, my bust this year, because I don't, A, I'm not convinced. He has a, vi- a violent running style, and I, I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. He's And he's already, I think, pulled up with a hammy injury. So that's not a good sign. And then that's only going to compound the fact that Riverboat Ron wants to go with a, a more of a, a committee approach uh, in in Washington. So I'm going to go with Gibson as my bus play uh, this in this topic. Yeah, I get it for sure. And I this is one of those situations where I, I want to get in a room with Coach Ron Rivera. I want to get I want to get a six pack of beer in there. I want to sit down and just look look at this guy in the eye, man to man, and be like, all right, what do you hate about Antonio Gibson? Like just just lay it out for me. What don't you like about this guy? You know, he's he has a he was a receiver in college. He showed to be a good runner in the NFL. Like I just it's just it's really tough to hear. For a guy like Gibson, who has been really hyped up the last couple of seasons, uh, myself included, I really like the player and still believe in him. But like you said, it's, it's just tough because what you have here is at best case, a middle of the pack offense, maybe even a little bit smaller than that. So, you know, it's, it's already a short candle to begin with. And then that candle is only getting burned on both ends. On one end, you have J.D. McKissick, who was one in the last two seasons has been one of the top pass catching running backs in the league. And on the other end, you, they draft Brian Robinson, who's, who's a big back out of Alabama, who showed a nose for the end zone for the Crimson Tide last season. So I don't think Brian Robinson's a world beater who's going to steal a ton of first and second down work. But if he becomes a problem at the goal line, it's going to be a big issue for Gibson. And the other, other running backs that he's being drafted around, he's currently RB16 in ECR. Like they're, The four or five guys immediately after him are guys that I just I'm just higher on. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't leave a ton of uh, a beat on the bone for Gibson if you factor in those other other backs on that roster, stealing passing down and goal line work from them. And it's it's really disappointing to see, but I'm definitely with you on that. I, I, I think it's really too bad. And uh, I'm just, it's just one of those things you're depressed about, to be honest, because I do <laughs> like the player. Oh, yeah, you watch him play and you're like, geez, there's not a whole lot you, you dislike about him, but <laughs> – the riverboat run is saying committee and that's just not that's just that is not a word that fantasy owners want to hear so uh i would steer away from them if you could yeah riverboat ron's out there playing the penny slots not uh not going all in on on gibson unfortunately which is too bad but i'll jump into my bust and i'm uh I'm going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles here on this one, and I'm going to go with their their big ticket free agent or a trade candidate rather from the offseason. That's AJ Brown, and he's currently going fantasy pros 11 overall. 
in ECR, which is first round ADP and WR five overall, which is which is a really high price to pay for him. And to be upfront here, this pick has everything to do with the cost that it's going to take to acquire AJB and not the player himself. Because this one's another tough one for me. So I'm a big fan of the player from a football standpoint. You know, he's a tough guy. He's a really physical wide receiver. He's been hyper-efficient to start his career. And he's played with average QBs at best. So this is a player that I actually really like to watch on Sundays from that standpoint. But for fantasy, I'm just not – I just can't get on board where he's at right now. You know, the trades of the Eagles really hurts his fantasy value in my eyes. You know, they have a Devonta Smith there who they took in the first round who played pretty well as a rookie. You know, Dallas Goddard is a, looks like a, another reliable tight end one. So those guys are going to steal some looks. And I know you're, you're, they said they've been working on Jalen Hurts and trying to get him to be you know, a better passer and all that. But I just don't see him supporting three high-profile fantasy pass catchers this season. If you, look at, if, you look, if you dive into their stats from last year in the passing department, they were 32nd in the league in pass attempts, which was dead last. They were 29th in the league in passing yards. And they were 31st in completions. And if you look at Philadelphia beyond just last season, in the last seven years, Captain Carmen, I'm going to ask you a question on the spot here. Quick trivia question for you. In the last seven seasons, how many WR1s has Philadelphia produced in a PPR format? How many do you think? Zero. Not one. Absolutely brutal. And I'm not sure how incredibly relevant that is, to be honest with you. You know, seven years ago as, as an, an attorney in the NFL. So it's not necessarily. Was Terrell happen. Owens like the last one? <laughs> What's that? So was Terrell Owens the last like legitimate wide receiver to come out? No, not over? quite. They had a, a really good year of Jeremy Macklin and Deshaun Jackson. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. But that, even that seems like forever ago, doesn't it? Like, you know, think of it seven years ago. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. You know, the city of Philadelphia, for whatever reason, maybe it's something in the water down there. They just can't, you know, that they can't figure it out at wide receiver. You know, they've definitely taken their shots in the draft in recent years. The guys like Rager and, and Devonta Smith, the season to go, and now A.J. Brown via trade. So, you know, they're working on it. They're trying to get there, but I can't, I can't ignore the, the passing situation there from last season. So I know that AJB was a really, a really uh, competent fantasy producer in Tennessee, but you know, he was really the only game in town there in the, in the, among the pass catchers. So he's going from the only game in town and a, 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 an average passing unit to another guy, a, a collection of good players with a, a pretty poor passing quarterback. So you know, what we want in fantasy is reliable passing volume from receivers. And I just don't see enough of it for live, for him to live up to that high, high, high end ADP. You know, this is a guy you need to build your team around and take him in the first round. And there's just other receivers I'd rather go if I'm looking to go that direction. And like the player, really high on him in terms of a long-term dynasty asset still because he's so young. But I just think that if you're you're paying up to get him at that rate, you're probably going to regret it in the near future. Yeah, and I I might even just just to add a, a a cherry on the Sunday that you're building there. I I I agree with you 100%. I might even say the fact that he's such a good run blocker is going to hurt him in Philadelphia. Because he's going to be lining up like another tight end out there cuz they love to run the football so much. The fact that he's so good at blocking I don't think it's going to help his fantasy profile. Uh, it's going to, I think, hurt him uh, more, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Sure, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a run-heavy offense, and he can maul, maul smaller cornerbacks in, in, in the run game. So that's definitely true. I do think he's still going to be running plenty of routes. You know, they didn't give up what they gave up for him in 
dish out the big contract that they did to keep him there in the, for the long run to do nothing. I think he's still going to be fantasy viable. What we don't like here to be very clear for the listeners is, is the cost to acquire. That's really the, the only issue I have with, with AJ, AJB and where he's coming off draft boards right now. Oh yeah. Cause I can, I mean, I've had some discussions with owners trying to make a deal for AJB and the ask to me just seems so asinine that I was like, yeah, am I, am I in the twilight zone or, or am I the only one seeing this? So I'm kind of glad that you're, you're, you, you know, you're bringing up that topic because I really, I've had a couple conversations and in, for me, the asking price just seems it, like it doesn't match the situation and where he is. Yeah. And I, I do, I do get where they're coming from somewhat, you know, he's only, you know, he's, he's entering his age 25 season. So he does still have a ton of time on his side. So I think the asking price is still going to be high in dynasty and I get it. I just think what, if you're looking to buy, to acquire a share of AJ Brown, I think you're better off waiting to the start of the season for him to get off to a little bit of a slower start. And that's where you make your pounce in dynasty to, to grab him at that time versus right now, people are still overvaluing based on the age in the off season. Wow. Okay. Speaking of uh, dynasty, I, I just got a trade offer from Mr. Brown town and dynasty. Live bullets. Let's hear it on air. Yeah, do you want, want me to throw it on the answer? I sure do. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Here we go, Brian. He's going to be so mad that I did this, but he, uh, he has just offered me uh, a yoke and uh, an early 23 second for DK Metcalf. Meh. Yeah, I'm meh as well. Uh, Metcalf is still a top 15 prospect in Dynasty. So I'm not moving him unless I get a first. Well, or, what a segue, huh, though? Like, think about it. I mean, we just talked about A.J. Brown. So now we're talking about his college teammate, D.K. Metcalf here, who's honestly in a very similar position where he's got a couple other competent pass catchers on his team with Noah Fan and Tyler Lockett and a poor quarterback. So they really are kind of mirror situations. And I, I don't like the trade offer either. I wouldn't do that. I would definitely hold DK in that situation because I we've seen him absolutely erupt in the past, but it's almost like he's listening in on this, even though he's supposed to be on vacation. So <laughs> yeah, no, I put it this way. If Debo Samuel was definitely out of San Fran, I would I'd hit go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. But it that not being the case, that situation still being somewhat fluid, I'll still take my chances with the freak known as DK Metcalf, and uh, you know I'll hold tight to him. He's to me he's still a top fifteen asset in dynasty, so that's that's where I am with him. I I'll I'll move him for a twenty three first and another player, but other than that, definitely not. I hear you. Yeah, for sure. So now we'll get into a little tight end premium commission, right? And so when I when I brought the subject up to you, I was saying, you know, hey, there's a couple of schools of thought with tight end premium. And then before we get into that, you want to just give the listeners a quick rundown of, you know, what is tight end premium? What does that mean for people who may not know? And, uh, and then you can get into, how, you know, how you approach and how you attack drafting, or players in a tight end premium. Yeah, I'll cover briefly here for those who aren't immediately aware. Now, tight end premium is essentially just providing an additional receiving bonus for the tight end position compared to the other skill position players on your on your roster. 
So if you're playing a, say for example, you play in a full PPR format where every player per reception gets gets one point. In tight end, you know, maybe you decide that you're gonna you're gonna award an extra half a point for the tight end when they catch a pass, or maybe it's a full extra point. So now they're getting two points for a reception compared to one point for a running back or a wide receiver. And the reason it exists, and the reason it's so much fun to play in a format like that, is because it elevates what, in comparison, is a weaker position. It's a lot harder to find these relevant tight ends where you, and it creates this in non-premium leagues that it creates this situation where you have the top, top end producers like a Travis Kelsey and a Mark Andrews type who are at clear in a way, the, 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 the top players at their position. And they can provide you such a massive advantage over everyone else, where if you don't have one of those guys, you're, you're porked, you're in big trouble where this kind of levels the playing field a little bit. And it kind of brings the tight ends into a more relevant standing. And while guys like Kelsey and Andrews are still going to be absolute weapons in this format. You know, it, it makes the tight end position. It, it raises, it's a tie that raises, that raises all those other votes to get kind of get them on a more level playing field with wide receivers or running backs. So when bye weeks injury stack up, you can actually even plug your backup tight ends into your flex spots in some, in some circumstances. So that's, what's fun about the tight end premium. And I truly believe that super flex tight end premium leagues are the premier dynasty leagues that you should plan that everyone should be involved in. That's my personal opinion on it, but tighter premium, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you never tried it, it's worth looking into. And the way I like to attack tight end premium is the first question I have to ask is what is the premium in relation to the other skill players? That, that question alone is massive because the answer to that question really determines what I'll do. And I have my, my thoughts here broken down into three segments. So the first one is in the scenario where the premium is less than half a point difference to the other skill players. So in this format where I'm not really getting a big bonus for the tight end premium, I really don't alter my rankings all that much. You know, in this type of scoring format, I'd much rather build my team with running backs or receivers or certainly the quarterback spot in super flex leagues. I look at a tight end in this, in this format as a luxury item that I, I don't really want to spend a ton on unless I'm a true contender. And I think that I, I, I want that advantage at, at that position, but even as a contender, I'm okay with anyone really in the top 10 to throw into my lineup at that position, as long as the rest of my team is good enough to, to support me and in, in my, you know, my, my aspirations to compete this season. And if I'm going to rebuild, I really don't target the position unless the value is, is advantageous to me. Now, if the premium does creep up to somewhere between, so we'll say like three quarters of a point to a full point, somewhere in that range, more than the other skill position players, now I'll start to take some more notice and I'll move, I'll start moving tight ends up in my rankings. And I start to value the tight ends closer to the wide receivers in those respective tiers. And in some cases I'll even bump those guys up because the TE is where the tight end is worth more to uh, a true contender in this spot. You know, I want a top five tight end in this format because I'm starting to get more of a, of a, of a positional advantage in these spots here. And in a rebuild here, I still don't want to pay an insane amount for for a tight end in that type of uh, type of range but it, it does really start to get onto my radar and I'll target more tight ends that get injured like if there's a solid producer who's still got some tread left on the tires for a few seasons that's a guy I'll target to rebuild and see if I can grab him to try to replace a, uh, a contender's asset for for this season while I, I soak up the long-term value taking on the injured player and I'm more likely to invest late second round picks or even third round picks in the tight ends because you know those guys are, 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 you can never, if you find productive tight ends in the drafts and you're able to get them there, 
it's a lot cheaper in these formats to draft them at the end of the second and into the third rounds than it is trying to get them from other owners once they're established. So I'm willing to allocate more roster spots to uh, to rookies in this format. And the last scenario I'll talk to you, I'll talk about here before I throw it back to you, Captain Carmen, is if the the premium is a full point or more than the other skill position players. And now now in this format, we're really talking here. If we're talking like it's a full PPR league and you get like a point and a half additional receiving bonus for a tight end in these formats, you know, you we're starting we're starting to talk about we're seeing multiple tight ends go off the board in round one of one QB formats that play with this scoring system. And it's perfectly okay to build your team around a tight end in this format because of the massive advantage that they that they provide. You know, tight ends in this in this spot here, they become stalwarts of even your flex spots here because they're they have that, that additional bonus associated with them here. And in these formats, I want a top three tight end if I'm a true contender because of that big, that big, big advantage I'm giving up if I don't have one of those top three guys here. So in a rebuild, I'm actually okay with paying a relatively high cost for these guys because the tight end is is just that he's a cornerstone asset and i think back to a season ago in this type of format if a guy like kyle pitts you know in your in your rookie draft there's no reason why you couldn't have gone qb uh sorry tight end uh, or number one overall in your rookie draft with the premium that heavy even with a guy like chase on the board you know even with uh you know etn or Najee harris guys that we really like like the season ago you know if the premium is that big you have to make the adjustment as a dynasty manager and bump the the tight end that far up your board if you want any shot at getting some of these elite elite guys that you can build your roster around so that's how i take a look at tidy and tight end premium the, i really want to know what the premium is before i dive any deeper in figuring out how i value that position in, in regards to the rest of the roster positions i'm trying to fill out on my roster yeah i um so i i i'm with you pretty much on the breakdowns i i don't if it's less than half a point value I, I really don't change my philosophy at all, to be honest. Um, but when you do start talking the one and a half points, what I did, I did uh, often in, in the dynasty league that you joined um, that has that format is I, I, I rostered two top eight tight ends and I, I, I multiple weeks put them in, in my starting lineup. And it, it proved to be very, very successful for me. So um, I think there is an advantage to making that decision. But I also think, hey, if you, if you are in a rebuild, I totally agree with you. Like, I think you almost sell out to trade to get pits, if that makes sense. Like, I think in that format, that's the guy you want. Like, if you're in a rebuild – that's 100% a cornerstone piece given the age, given how long these guys play that the volume and, or look at what he already did his rookie year. So like, I, I, I definitely, when it's one and a half, I a hundred percent want to try to roster two top eight tight ends if I can. Um, and then, it, and I'll, I'll preface that by saying it is kind of weird how, how tight ends end up scoring. Right it kind of fluctuates the bottom end of the top eight. If that makes sense. I think your top three, we'll call it for the last uh, several years have pretty much been, you know, Andrews, a healthy walla and Kelsey, right? Those are kind of the, those are like the standard hundred percent 
put them in there, you know they're going to do it, right? And then the bottom end, if you're smart, if you're lucky enough to get lucky with a guy like a Gasecki or a, you know, a Hawkinson who you drafted and then you were smart enough to hold on to him and wait, wait for that to come through, you know, or a Noah fan to that point, that actually helps you out a lot in that, that format. If you've already had one of those guys, you rostered them, you, you stashed them, and then you went out and you got yourself a Walla or you went out and you got yourself an older guy like a Kelsey or an Andrews because now you've really set yourself up to, to just absolutely crush it, A, in your week-to-week lineups. Because what I one thing I, I do kind of do, and I don't know if you do this, Kamish, and I'll kick it back to you to ask, ask this question. When I'm evaluating my, my overall team, that's one thing. I tend to also evaluate my overall matchups, meaning like who I'm playing. And what I like to do is I kind of look at position by position, do I have an advantage at quarterback? Do I have an advantage at running back? Do I have an advantage at wide out? And do I have an advantage at tight end? And if I can, in a tight end premium, have an advantage at tight end and stack another tight end who's a top eight guy in my starting lineup, I consider that almost like a double advantage, if that makes sense. Yeah, I hear you. That's that's definitely one way to attack it. You need to know, you understand your opponent, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are especially, you know, week to week as those things can, can change as, as the landscape shifts around the league. I, the other thing too, I'll, I'll, I'll throw onto the pile here in the tight end premium discussion is to the top guys are great, but they're really, really expensive, especially the higher the premium, the more expensive the top tight ends are going to be. So if you have the one-on-one or a one-on-two and you can get a guy like Kyle picks and you fits in a rookie draft, great, do it. But Outside of that, just don't be afraid to roster a bunch of tight ends in that format because the tight ends, it's, it's, we kind of know who the top guys are, but it's awesome to be able to, to roster guys and hope they, that they pan out. In the last couple seasons alone, we've seen a lot of guys come from relatively you know, low down the, the tight end pecking order, have really fantasy viable seasons. I mean, a season ago, we had Dalton Schultz coming out of nowhere, finishing tight end four overall in half PBR. You know, this is a guy who was on waiver wires this time last year. You know, the same can be said for Dawson Knox in a lot of formats. You know, some of these guys are, are they're basically free. Tyler Conklin was, was flirting with the tight end one finish a season ago. If you go back to 2020, there's, there's other guys on the, on the list that fit the same tier. You know, Robert Tungan finished tight end three and half PPR. Logan Thomas finished tight end six. So, you know, Darren Waller a couple seasons ago was, was undrafted as well. So th- these are guys that you could have got for almost nothing. So don't be afraid to, even if you make an investment in a, in a top tight end, don't be afraid to stack two, three, four tight ends in the back of your roster and hope that one or two of them can pan out to at least give you a high floor so that if you have, God forbid, you have an injury in this format to a tight end, you have someone you can toss in there. Or better yet, if, you're, if your top guys are producing, maybe you get an asset on your hand who is a valuable trade ship out of nowhere. And that's what Dynasty is all about. It's about turning over the, the bottom of your roster, keeping it current, keeping it fresh with guys that you think have a shot to be viable sooner rather than later so that when things do pop up, you have valuable chips that you can move on from and, and acquire value. And tight end premium is no different. If anything, it just presents you with a unique opportunity to, to take advantage of it at the tight end position that doesn't exist in non-premium leagues. So it's a really fun format for me for that reason. And it's an easy position to ignore. But if you do that in tight end premium, you're asking for problems. So make sure that if you're playing in premium, if you're thinking about joining a premium league, that you aren't afraid to stash those guys on your bench and hope that they pan out in the long run. 
Yeah, and before we close this one, I'll, I'll just add to that. Another thing that I'm not afraid to do is I'm not afraid to roster young athletic backup tight ends in dynasty format, especially with tight end premium. So anyone who I watch and they pass the eyeball test for me, well, you've seen them like make plays and you're kind of like, man, if that guy gets a shot, he could make some noise. And so case in point is someone like an Albert O, right? You roster that guy. If you got the space on your team, granted, he was behind Noah Fant. Look how that shakes out. Now he's probably a very good tight end premium viable option this year. So that's actually another little strategy that I'll do. If I got the space, there's some guys who I will definitely swing and miss on, but there are some athletic backup tight ends that I will watch and just say, if this guy gets his chance, he could make some noise. Who are some of those guys that you've circled for this year outside of Alberto that you think are good, uh, good tight end, tight end premium targets, even if they're already rostered, you know, who are some guys you think you can get relatively inexpensive right now that you think can pay dividends as early as this season? Uh, I think Trey McBride, the rookie in Arizona, given that Zach Ertz is no spring chicken. I think he's got all the makings of being in a, an elite tight end. So he's one for sure that I like. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on, uh, well, frame youth was one that I liked last year and I just kept him. And I think he could actually, he could have a breakout year this year um, because, you know, they've got a rookie quarterback and I think we all know the security blanket for quarterbacks is typically your check down passes and your passes to your tight ends. So frame youth's another guy who I liked a lot. Um, I've also swung and missed on some guys. So Indianapolis is like my famous <laughs> swing and miss uh, tight end uh, grounds, I guess. You know, I keep waiting for Mo Alley Cox to like become the man. <laughs> it just, you watch him, you go, damn, that guy's pretty damn good. And then it just doesn't, it doesn't pan out. Um, but th there's some guys, uh, I'm drawing a blank, the guy in Houston, I really like as well. If you can help me out, Houston, Texas. Bre uh, Brevin Jordan. There it is. Brevin Jordan. There's one I like. I think he could, he's another one. Remember the situation dictates the points in fantasy, right? So we can all agree that Houston's going to play from behind, you know, probably 90% of their games. So a guy like Brevin Jordan, I don't even know what his, his, you know, ADP is right now, but that guy could end up getting a, a ton of garbage points, a ton of garbage points. Yeah, he's tied at 24 in, in expert consensus dynasty rankings on fantasy pros at the moment. So he's another, he's a good, he's a good uh, late round target in your in your startup drafts, or maybe he's chilling on on a waiver wire in a league. You might want to grab him if your if your wire is open. I'll throw a couple of names out there too. And the first one I like, this is a player I loved coming out of college. Uh, he developed at Alabama under Nick Saban that, a few years ago and the came out in the 2019 class. And that's Irv Smith Jr. of the Minnesota Vikings. You know, this is a guy I've been all over. I think he's a really talented player who's unfortunately dealt with some injuries early in his career. And Mike Zimmer and that absolute fossil mentality he has of, of wanting to pound the football is finally out of Minnesota. And they're bringing in Kevin O'Connell, who's a, a former NFL quarterback himself, who was the passing game coordinator for the Rams. I think that's only going to do good things for, for the Vikings offense from a passing standpoint. I think Irv serves to be a big benefactor. You got Tyler Conklin, who's out of the picture now, signed with the Jets. And Adam Thielen is, is, has been really good for fantasy in recent seasons, but let's be honest, he's getting a little, a little up there in age. 
I believe I want to say this is age 32 season he's walking into. So I think Jefferson is going to get his unquestioned alpha in that offense. But I think there's still a lot of meat out of the bone for a guy like Irv Smith to come in there and, and play well here and turn the final season of his rookie contract and improve it here. I'll throw another name out there too. And this guy is a, you know, he's been on, I feel like he's been in the league forever, but he's only, uh, he's only 25 years old somehow. And that's David and Joku. And if you're listening, you probably like, okay, I've heard this. I've heard this story before about Njoku. Like, come on, like it hasn't worked and I get, I get it, but he's tied in 15 and expert consensus rankings. So you can still grab him as a backup. They gave him a really big extension, which, which leads me to believe that he's going to have a, a decent sized role in this offense. You know, guys like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are out, are out of town. They did bring in Amari Cooper to be their top wide receiver, and I think he's going to be the, the main target hog in that offense. But outside of that, we're looking at a rookie and David Bell and guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz filling out the, the rest of that pass-catching room. And, and at tight end, you got Harrison Bryant, who's a young player who didn't show much as a rookie, and Austin Hooper has moved on. So Njoku kind of slots in there as a guy who's going to be on the field a ton because he's pretty good in the run-blocking game. And if they do have to pivot and go to a guy like Jacoby Brissett to start the season, that I think Njoku could be a really nice check down piece. So that's a guy that another guy that's burned fantasy managers and dynasty managers in the past that I think might be is worth circling and tight in premium formats. You could easily outperform his ADP. So those are just a couple of names to keep in mind. We're, I'm actually working on a tight end uh, write up at the moment for our post draft, our, our post draft winners and losers segments. We've covered wide receivers and we've covered running backs. So make sure you check out our blog coming up here uh, in the near future. And I'll have that tight end piece out there. That's sundaysurefire.com slash blog. So we're not just a, we're not just a podcast around here, folks. We also are, are getting some really good writing out there into the world as well. So check us out. It's available on all our social media platforms and our, and our website, sundaysurefire.com. So make sure to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's another guy to watch out for. And, and this is a super deep one is uh, Daniel Bellinger. Do you know what team he plays on? Oh, I know what team he plays on. I knew you bring it back to the Giants, the NFC East at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, all point, all signs are pointing that he's the starter. People would think it was going to be Ricky Seals-Jones, but he's a cut candidate right now. So you want to talk deep tight end stashes. That's about as deep as it's going to go, my friend. Sure. I hear you. So I'll toss one more out there here real quick at the, at the last second here. This is a guy who's basically free in a lot of leagues and that's uh, Hayden Hurst of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know what you're thinking. Like this guy, he was okay in Atlanta for a year or two. Didn't pan out in Baltimore, yada, yada, yada. You know, he got replaced by Kyle Pitts last year. So I don't know what people were expecting. Like he was going to always going to have a big step back last season, but he's taking over for CJ Uzama in in Cincinnati and he's really kind of the only game in town. And I think Drew Samples chilling on that depth start show still for one more season. But if you're desperate at tight end, I think this is a guy who could see himself getting a lot of work. If someone like Tyler Boyd or Jamar Chase or G Higgins were to go down with an injury for any length of time, he'd be stepping into as the third pass catcher on what we think is going to be a really, really high scoring offense. So he's tight end 31 in expert consensus ranking at the moment in dynasty circles. And he's only 28 years old. So this is a guy that you can get for nothing. He's probably on your waiver wire. And I guarantee you, if you were to offer maybe even some fab dollars in a trade, if your league allows that, you could probably grab this guy for, for next to nothing if you have an, an empty roster spot. So he's a guy that I, I like to keep an eye out for, see how he does in training camp. And if it doesn't work out, then you just move on. 
Yeah. No, I I actually thought he had some flashes too. He was another guy who I kind of thought didn't pan out, but I always thought the talent was there, you know, like when you watched him play. But we won't steal too much of your thunder because I know you're working on a tight end right up. I guess I'm going to end it with a hot take and I'll, I'll go full homer here. And I'm going to say that Saquon Barkley finishes the year a top five running back. Okay. okay. I don't think it's all in I mean, he's he has the talent to do it. The only thing it comes back to is the health. You know, he has, he's been banged up the last couple seasons, but you know, he has the receiving chops to get it done. And I don't think there's a lot behind him on that giant step chart to eat into any of his workload and in any aspect of, of the game. So if he's healthy, I think that's very much on the table, but if it's not, and you're holding him a dynasty, that balloon is about to get popped completely. So definitely some risk, but I like where your head's at. All right. So you're going to, well, you already, you already kind of gave us a hot take. I mean, CD lamb, Wide receiver one. Oh my word! Yeah, that's uh, I w- I wouldn't say it's a lock, stock, and barrel, but I could see the I could see the picture there, and I uh, I'm really high on lamb this year, so I'll be eating lamb chops for dinner for tonight, baby. All right. Well, like I always say, peace.